the sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church from August 29, 2010. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God to which the Holy Spirit strengthens our trust in Jesus is Judges chapter 6, selected verses. This is from the New International Version. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abai Ezraite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, the Lord is with us. Why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? Now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But sir, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down the Midianites as if they were but one man. Now continuing at verse 34, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abai Ezraites to follow him. He sent messengers through Manasseh, calling them to arms, and into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet him. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, but let me just Make one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time, make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Jump! I'll catch you! How easily a little child trusts as you hold out your arms. And yet we quickly learn in life to be much more cynical 
That first grader tells his best friend that he still needs his blankie to go to bed at night, and the next day the whole class te teaches him about it. Who can you trust? And it's not just the betrayals that feed our cynicism, but the reality of life itself, the hard knocks, the setbacks, the disappointments, our own shortcomings and failures. Yes, they all combine to feed that cynicism and soon we learn that there's nothing you can really count on except maybe death and taxes, as that old saying goes. And then into this quagmire of cynicism, our God steps and asks us to trust him for some pretty unbelievable things. So are you going to put yourself, your family, your future on the line, trusting him no matter what? Or how easy it is to hold something back, just in case. But our pilgrimage to this life, our journey on this earth, a constant time of training from our God. He is continually working with us, training us to trust Him more and more. For you see, dear friends, to follow Jesus through this life, to believe in Jesus, means much more than simply to know about Him. And that's the point that the Gospel lesson brought home as Jesus talked about that in Luke 13, that many will know about Jesus. They will say, you ate with us and drank with us and taught in our streets. What will his response be? I do not know you. Away from me, you evildoers. Yes, you see, to follow Jesus through this life, to believe in Jesus, doesn't mean only to know about him. It means to trust Him with our very selves and all that we have. So, our God works with us to train us to trust Him, just as He worked with Gideon. And that's what we want to look at here tonight, how the Lord trained Gideon to trust Him. And maybe as we see the Lord at work in Gideon's life here, that will help us realize how our God is training us as well, training us to trust. Now, we meet Gideon for the first time in Judges chapter 6. And he's not too impressive with our first impression of him. He doesn't really strike us as much of a military general or a warrior at all, really. We meet him at the wine press, threshing grain. Now, does that maybe strike you as a little bit odd? Threshing grain at the wine press? If you ever been to a threshing bee like up at Donnelly, you, you realize that, that the threshing process throws up a lot of dust and, and dirt and, and chaff into the air. You want to do that in an open, airy spot, preferably with some breeze. Not at a wine press. And what's more, in those days before machine threshers, they would try to separate the chaff from the kernel by having oxen pull a weighted sledge around to, to work the grain that way. But a wine press is too confined of an area to work use oxen. And so you can almost picture Gideon there, maybe with a stick or, or some way trying to beat out that chaff from the kernel, 
and standing there in some hazy dust of, of sweat. Why? Why would he be doing it there and not at the family threshing floor out in the open? Because he was afraid. You see, the Midianites and Amalekites and other people of the East had invaded the country to plunder it. The Bible says that they were like swarms of locusts, devouring all in their path. And there were so many men and camels, you couldn't count them all. Picture a scene out of Lawrence of Arabia with the desert riders screaming over the dunes on their camels. So Gideon figures, maybe. Now, just maybe if I do this at the wine press, they won't be looking there because who in their right mind would press strain at the wine press? Maybe you could keep some of the harvest there. See how timid Gideon was? Hiding there at the wine press. And that's where the angel of the Lord comes to speak to, to Gideon. And he takes, or it seems like he takes the appearance of a man because Gideon does not recognize him as the Lord at first. But the Lord greets Gideon and says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I could well see how Gideon took so that greeting as rather sarcastic. Mighty warrior, who? Me? There, that scaredy cat, dressing grain at the wine shop. And how could you say that the Lord was with the people of Israel anymore? Look at what was happening to them. And that's what Gideon says here. But sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? Now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Gideon. Abandoned. What have been times in your life that you have felt abandoned without the Lord's help? You know, things just seem to go from bad to worse. You wonder where the Lord is, why he isn't making things better. And it just drags on day after day. I mean, the Midianites have been invading for seven years. No wonder Gideon thought, where was the Lord? And, and so often in our lives too, things just drag on day after day. Days become weeks, months, years. And there's the Lord. Doesn't he care about us? He abandoned us. And why would he pay attention to someone like me? Doesn't he have bigger concerns? There's nothing that can be done about it. That's that mixture of timidness, helplessness, and abandonment. That's what Gideon was feeling. What could he do? Then the Lord addresses him again says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And maybe by now Gideon is starting to wonder whether this man is more than what he appears. But still, what could Gideon do? He didn't have the strength to defeat the, the hordes of the Midianites. And that's what he says here. But sir, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my family. What could he do? You see, the Lord takes the weak, the 
and a helper. He does something rather marvelous. As the Apostle Paul tells us, God shows the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God shows the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. The Lord chooses the timid. He takes the weak, the timid, the fearful and trains them to trust. For just think about it. When he trains us, he leads us to see just how helpless and weak we are without him. Because if we imagine ourselves to be strong, to be self-sufficient, to be able to go on our own at least most of the time, then why do we really need to trust him if we can do it ourselves? someone thinks that they're healthy, they're not going to go to the doctor. It's only those who realize how sick they are who go and seek out a doctor. And so, in the same way, the Lord trains us by showing us just how we can help us, how much we need Him. That's how He trains us to trust Him. So don't come to the Lord by putting on a brave face as if you're going to Deal with it on your own terms with him. Come with that fearful, trembling, confessing yourself as the sinner you are. Come in your timid weakness. Come not with any kind of bravado. For you see, he is the holy God. You are the guilty sinner. He is the righteous judge. You are the condemned criminal. But come, nonetheless fearful and trembling as you are, come. Because the holy God is your Savior God. The righteous judge is your Redeemer. He came and appeared to Gideon to train him. But he has done even more for you and me. He has not come simply in the outward appearance of a human being. He came as flesh and blood and was laid in that manger. He came for the weak and the timid to save them. He came for you. He is your Savior. And as our Savior, he trains our timid hearts to trust him more and more. Now, how does he do that? How does he take us timid, weak sinners and train us to trust him? Well, let's go back and see what he did for Gideon. He says to Gideon, I will be with you and you will strike down the Midianites as if they were but one man. You see how he speaks his word of promise? to train Gideon to trust him. And that, dear friends, is how he trains us to trust, through his word of promise. And do the words he speaks to Gideon here remind you of anything Jesus said, Jesus promised to us? I will be with you, the Lord said to Gideon. And shortly before his ascension, Jesus said, surely I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. 
For the Lord, through his word of promise, trains us to trust him. No matter what happens in life, no matter what kind of hordes come over those hills, when your conscience feels troubled, when, when sin and its guilt wearies your conscience and burdens your soul, remember, he's a promise. He is with you. And through his word, he points you to the cross and says, I have paid for your sins. You are forgiven. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, rest for your soul. When sin seems so enticing and the devil's snares try to lure you in, remember Jesus is with you. Through his word, he points you to his empty tomb and says, I have conquered the enemy. In me, you have the power to resist, saying no to sin and Satan. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. And when the adversities and worries of life weigh down your mind, remember, Jesus is with you. Through his word, he points you to his, his heavenly throne. He reigns over all with the power of God's right hand. He has promised, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And yes, dear friends, even when death creeps close, trying to terrify you, Jesus is with you. His word of promise declares, in my Father's house, are many mansions. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that where I am, there you may also be. So we look ahead in joy to the day of his return in glory. Yes, through these words of promise and many others in the scripture, he trains us to trust. And yet we can be so wishy-washy in our trusting. And Gideon, too, needed his trust reinforced. Oh, after the Lord spoke those words of promise, Gideon made a, a good start. He started summoning the troops from Manasseh and the tribes of, East, uh, tribes of um, Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. But then, too, we, we sensed that his trust started to waver. He was wondering, is this really going to happen. He looked at his small band and looked at the hordes of the, Gideon, of the Midianites. And then he says to God, asking for a sign, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is only dew on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. And that's exactly what happened. The next morning the ground was dry, but he wrung a bowl full of water from that fleece. But then he asks for a second sign. Do not be angry with me. Let me take make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. And that too happened just as Gideon asked. The Lord worked with Gideon to train him to trust. He 
and use those visible signs as an aid. In the same way, the Lord works with us. And he has given us visible signs that are connected to his promises. But he doesn't leave us to try to figure out what they might be or try to come up with something on, on our own. He has already told us what those visible signs are. And you know them well. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. There he takes something that we can see, water, bread, and wine, and connects it with his promise in a very miraculous way. And so before we dismiss baptism and the Lord's Supper, thinking, well, that's something we always see happening in church. Now, it'd be so much easier for me to trust that something really miraculous happened, like that, that, that wool on the ground being wet or dry. Just remember what baptism and the Lord's Supper really are. And I tell you that those are the greater miracles, much greater than any fleece on the ground, whether it's wet or dry. In baptism, the Lord tears away a slave from Satan's control and liberates him or her. That slave to sin is reborn as a forgiven, free child of God. That dead soul is made alive again. What a miracle! And that's a miracle that didn't happen to some priest on the ground. It happened in your heart. When that water was poured on your head in baptism. What a miracle! As the Lord connects His promise to that visible sign of water and brings that rebirth to you and to me. And so also in the Lord's Supper we have those visible earthly elements of bread and wine. But Jesus miraculously makes his actual body and blood truly present in reality for you to eat and to drink. As you eat the bread Jesus says to you, you are not only eating that bread which you can taste, but you are eating my body as well. For I sacrifice my body on the cross in your place. And since I did that for you, I give it to you, yes, to you, to you. And as you drink from the cup, Jesus says to you, you are not only drinking this wine which you can taste, but you are also drinking my blood as well. It was poured out on the cross for you. And that is why I give it to you, yes, to you, to drink. And so through the visible signs, baptism in the Lord's Supper, he brings his promise home to our hearts to train us to trust Him more and more. Don't exchange them for some fleece on the ground. Because if you think about it a little bit more, you know, if a miracle like that happened today, how quickly wouldn't it be dismissed as either some freak of nature or some sort of fraud? And even after the years passed, wouldn't you start doubting whether maybe you had been tricked in one way or another? 
how much wiser our Lord is who has given us baptism and the Lord's Supper. Ponder your baptism and the miracle that the Lord worked in your heart through the water connected with the Word. Come to the Lord's Supper often. Contemplate that mystery as Jesus sees you with his body and blood. Same body and blood that was sacrificed on the cross for the sins of the world. The Lord trains us to trust him. He trains us through his promise, both the promise as verbally recorded in his word and that promise as made visible through baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, how did it all turn out for Gideon? Well, we'll talk a little bit more about that a few weeks from now as we find out the rest of the story, or you can read ahead in Judges chapter 7 for today. For today. See how the Lord took that timid man, threshing grain at the wine press, and trained him to trust. Make use of the Lord's promises in word and sacrament. And that's what he uses to train you to trust. So that no matter what hordes come over the hills of your life, even if they are like swarms of locusts, trust the Lord and his promises. For he will not fail you. Amen. Be thanks. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.